1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you got a Bible, you can turn to that. That's in the New Testament. We're going to start in verse 14 and read a little bit, at least to verse 22. Probably will be all we'll get through today. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, learning from Israel's past. Uh, Paul had pointed out several illustrations that had to do with how the Israelites acted uh, in the Old Testament. Now, he used these illustrations because these would have been things that the Corinthian people would have been familiar with and things that you and I are familiar with, too, because we've read about them in God's Word. And what Paul was, was, was trying to get them to do was not to give in to temptations to desert the Lord for other things. And that's really what the people were doing. That's what the, the Israelites did so often in the Old Testament. And that's what the Corinthian people were doing too. Now we've seen uh, several ways in which they had uh, done that and some things that had become a problem for the Corinthian people throughout these first nine chapters that we've looked at. And we're going to continue to look at more problems that were in their church. Uh, but Paul is kind of uh, continuing on uh, in a similar vein to what he had been talking about up until this point. And really the focus of this passage today, as well as uh, to some extent last week, uh, really what Paul was dealing with was idolatry. And that's what was taking place for the people of Corinth. So we'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 14. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I am speaking as to wise people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we give thanks for, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for all of us share that one bread. Look at all the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in what is offered on the altar? What am I saying then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, but I do say that what they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot share in the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or are we provoking the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these good words, and I pray that you hide me behind the cross, dear Lord. I pray that you just help me to, to preach a way that's going to be effective for all of us to hear today, God. I pray that Jesus is glorified. I pray that you would, you'd, you'd help us to get to our hearts to see and hear what we need to see and hear from your word today and how it needs to apply to us, God. Help us never to be guilty of looking at your word to the Corinthians and think, boy, shame on them. But dear Lord, help us to, to look at the, at the log in our own eye before we try to take the speck out of someone else's, dear Lord. So let us, let us understand your word as it speaks to us today and let us grow in it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now the real problem uh, that Paul was dealing with here is he, he starts off, he says, look, therefore, 
Now, whenever, anytime we see the word therefore in Scripture, we always need to look back and see what it's there for. The reason why that word is there is because he's been dealing with the actions of the Corinthian people. That is, they had been dealing with idolatry. That is, they had been putting things before the Lord. And so he's drawing us back, not just to the passages that we, that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, but maybe even further back into to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 that talks about some similar things as to what we see here. Now, notice he refers to them as friends. He's not just standing up there condemning them, uh, looking at them as, as, as a bunch of lowlifes that aren't worth anything. These are people that Paul cares greatly about. These are people that, that Paul is concerned about their relationship with the Lord. Now, he's giving them a hard message. He's giving them a message throughout uh, this letter to them that, that's going to step on their toes. That's a word that we would say. He's giving them that message that, that is hard for them to hear, but he's doing it out of love. And he tells them these hard things, but he says, Look, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Now, there's no question as to what he's talking about in this passage. And we need to remember that as we, as we go a little further along, that we don't get uh, kind of sidetracked and think that he's talking about something that he's not. Because the real problem that's going on here is idolatry. Now, idolatry can take, uh, can take uh, shape in many different forms. Now, we've got this, this picture of this golden calf up here, which may uh, remind us of, of what the, the Israelites did when they were in the wilderness. But I looked up the definition to idolatry, and it really kind of helps put into perspective what idolatry is. Idolatry is extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. So if you love something or someone too much, then that becomes an idol in your life. That's something that you think about all the time. That's something that you're focusing on. That's something that you're always working toward. Now the question that we have to ask ourselves, and this is a tough question, because the answer that I, that I have to give when I ask myself this question is not always what it should be. And that is, what are we devoting most of our time, energy, effort to? What are we thinking about more than anything else? Now, we all know what the answer to that question should be. It should be God and doing God's work. That should be the answer. But is that always the answer? If we're honest with ourselves and we ask ourselves that question, is God the answer to that question? Is doing God's will and God's work what is most important to us? And even if we say, oh, yes, it is. Well, in our heart it is, but do our actions show that? And see, that's what was going on with the Corinthian people. They were kind of, they were crying, kind of trying to straddle the fence. They were saying, well, "Well, we're godly people. We go to church. We read our Bible. We do all this." But Paul is pointing out all these other things, and he's he's telling them, "You can't straddle the fence. You can't have it both ways. You can't claim to be a Christian and say you're serving the Lord, but then turn around and live and do all these other things." Paul saying you have to make a choice one way or the other. Now Joshua did a similar thing to the people of Israel right before he died. He said you have a choice to make. Either you're going to serve the Lord or you're going to follow your ancestors and worship idols. He said, but as for me and my household, we will worship the Lord. Now we kind of see uh, the leaders throughout the Bible kind of giving that choice on a couple of different occasions. Joshua, uh, I love that passage, just Joshua 24, if you ever want to read that. And here Paul is kind of... <clears throat> Not using the same language, but, but offering the same thing. He's saying, look, you have to decide what you're going to do. He said, but what you're doing now is not going to cut it. He says, you're not living for the Lord now. So you need to straighten things out. 
And let's not forget he's talking to his friends here. He's saying these things out of love. He's not saying these things out of condemnation. He's not coming to the people saying, here's all you're doing wrong. Y'all are all going to burn in hell. And that's the end of it. No, he's writing these things to them in this letter that he's writing them to get their attention because he desires for them to turn from their evil ways. He doesn't desire for them to do what is evil in the Lord's sight. Let's read a little further. Verse 15, I am speaking as to wise people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Now, what Paul is doing here is he is calling them out. He's saying, you guys know better. He's saying, you guys are smart enough. You have wisdom to know the truth of what, about what I'm saying. He says, look, I'm telling you this truth, all of these things I have said. And he said, you're wise enough to know. You're not idiots. You know that I'm right. He says, look at it and, and judge for yourself. That's what the Bereans did when, uh, when, when they were first presented with the gospel. You can uh, read about them in Acts. I can give you the chapter. I don't, I don't know it off the top of my head. I think Acts chapter 17. Don't, don't hold me to that. But the Bereans were a group of people who were presented with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it said that they examined and studied the text continually to make sure that what they were taught was true. Now that's good advice. That's good advice for us to listen to, is that we don't just take everything at face value and say, well, I'm just going to believe it because somebody told it to me. No, the Bereans, uh, they took all the text and they looked through it and they compared it with who, who was telling them what they were telling them. They compared it with the rest of God's Word and they would come to a conclusion as to, yep, this is of God. This is truth. Jesus Christ is truth. And we need to be more like the Bereans. And that's what Paul is telling the people of Corinth here. He's saying, look, I'm telling you truth. I'm pointing you in the right direction. You are wise enough to know better. But he said, judge for yourselves. Look at what I'm telling you. Test what I'm telling you. Make sure that what I am telling you is from the Lord. Verse 16. The cup of blessing that we give thanks for... Is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for all of us share that one bread. Now, it, it kind of seems odd that he would, he would shift to this point here, but what it would seem as though he's talking about here is he's talking about the taking of communion. He is pointing out the blood of Christ and the body of Christ. And just as before Christ died and he was with the disciples, they drank the wine and they broke the bread. And Jesus said, look, do this in remembrance of me until I come back. He says, look, this symbolizes something bigger. This symbolizes something better. The, the wine that we drink symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed on our behalf. The bread that we eat symbolizes his body, which was given as a sacrifice for our sins. Now, as Christians, we should partake of the Lord's Supper. Jesus commands it. It's what we should do. We do that in remembrance of Him, and it reminds us of what He did. And so the issue that was going on here more than likely had to do with the partaking of the Lord's Supper. And He was establishing to the people the significance of that. Because He said, look, those who partake in the Lord's Supper, we are brought together as one. We who remember Jesus Christ and celebrate what He did, we have accepted Him. And when we take that, we take that in remembrance of Him. And we are one with Christ because He is in us. And not only are we one as Christ, but as Christians, as a group of believers, when we all come together and partake of the Lord's Supper, we are all one in Christ together. 
And Paul is making that, that statement to them here. He is making a key statement to, to, to make his foundation for what he is about to say. Because it would seem as though from the text here that the Corinthian people were partaking of the Lord's Supper, which if they were Christians, they should have been doing. And they were doing that, and they were one with Christ. Or at least they should have been one with Christ, but there were problems with how they were living. Let's read a little further. Verse 18. Look at the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in what is offered on the altar? What am I saying then? That's a good question. That's what we're trying to figure out. So now he tells us, he, makes, he establishes the point that they are one in Christ. Uh, they are following through in communion as they should. But then he draws them back to Israel again. And, and Israel's got a checkered past. they got a, a bad past. And what's one of the things that the Israelites did quite frequently? They worshipped idols. They began to, to worship alongside the other peoples that were in their land who did not worship God, and they began to make sacrifices to them. And so Paul is saying, hey, look at what the Israelites did. Back in the day, they used to worship idols. They used to make sacrifices to those idols. What am I saying then? That food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything, no, but I do say that what they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to participate with demons. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. Here was the real issue here. Uh, the issue here was that the people of Corinth were participating in, in idolatrous ways. That is, they were giving sacrifices to these other things that were not of God. They were being involved in worship that was not just to the Lord. And Paul says, what you're participating in, if, you're, if these sacrifices you're making are not to the Lord, guess who they are to? They are to demons. Now that's pretty strong language, but we need to get that. Because, because here's the thing, is there is only one God. There is only one God. There are not multiple gods. There are not multiple ways to heaven. There are not gods of the sun. There are not gods of the moon. There are not gods of the rain. There are not gods of the fields. There are not gods of the rivers. There are not gods of the animals. There are not a hundred different gods out there. There is one God. There's one God. But what was happening to the people of Israel is that they were worshiping Yahweh, the God of Israel, but they were also worshiping some other gods at times too. And Paul is calling the people of Corinth back to that because it appears as though that's exactly what they were doing. And if you're worshiping to someone who is not God, if there's only one God, and you're worshiping some other, some other being, Paul says, you're worshiping a demon. Now that's heavy stuff right there. That's heavy stuff, but that is very important for us to recognize in our culture today. Because we will encounter many people that say, well, you know, we don't worship the same God, but, but we're all going to the same place. No, we're not. If you don't worship the same, well, we don't all worship the same God. If you're not worshiping the God, guess who you're worshiping? You're worshiping a demon. Now, that's, that's tough. We've got to watch ourselves if we're trying to, to minister to people, although that's true. We may not want to start off that the statement with them if we're trying to reach them for Christ. We do what the Lord leads us to. But here, Paul doesn't, he doesn't cut it any slack. He says, what you're doing, what you're involved in, if you're sacrificing and following someone other than the Lord, you are following a demon. 
Now, we don't want to be guilty of that. Because anything that becomes an idol in our life, guess who's behind that? It ain't God who's behind it. It's the enemy who's behind it. It's Satan who's behind it. And guess what he wants to do? He wants to destroy your life. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to get you off track. He doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to do any good. He doesn't want you to have any good. And that's what Paul was trying to tell the Corinthian people. He was trying to point out to them that they were going down a wrong track. That any time things become idols in our life, it's only going to lead to bad times for us. That's true. We need to get that. When we're following idols in our life, that is when we put things above God, there is not going to be any good that comes out of it. You say, well, I did this and nothing bad happened. Well, maybe in the short term. But I'm telling you, there's nothing good that comes out of situations where we put things before the Lord. Now, Paul is talking about another situation that's going on here. And he says in verse 19, What am I saying then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything. He's saying, look, the problem is not these idols. They don't hold any power. Whether they're made of stone or, or wood, they're handmade by men. They have no power, as Psalm 115 says. They cannot see, they cannot hear, they cannot touch, they cannot spell, they cannot talk. They are worthless. They are powerless. Paul says, look, the problem is not with the idols. He said, look, the problem is not even with the food that is offered to idols. And we'll talk about that a little more next week. Well, we've already talked about that in some detail earlier on in 1 Corinthians. And part of the problem with the people is they were saying, oh, we can't eat food offered to idols or it may, it may make us unclean or this, that, and the other. But Paul is continuing to reinforce the point here that, look, the problem that's going on was not about food. The problem that was going on was not about uh, the statues that were, that were there, the golden calves or whatever it may have been. The problem was the heart of the people. They were saying, we worship God and we worship this other deity who was non-existent. They were essentially worshiping demons. He goes on to say, verse 21, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot share in the Lord's table and the table of demons. Now, he spells it out clearly right there. He spells it out as clear as day. Here's what was going on. They were trying to worship the Lord and they were trying to worship demons. And Paul says you can't have it both ways. You can't partake of the Lord's Supper. You can't take of a communion that makes you one with Christ and also be one with a demon. Because you can't have it both ways. The Scripture says that, look, if somebody has two masters, they will love one and hate the other, or they love the other and hate the other. You can't have it both ways. The same is true for us today. We can't worship two gods. And you say, well, I don't worship two gods. I worship Yahweh of Israel. I worship the one and only true God. Well, is that true? Do your actions show that? Does what we do show what we worship? And if it does, does it show that we worship the Lord? Or does it show that we may be putting some other things before the Lord in our life? That kind of hits close to home, right? 
Because sometimes other things, well, a lot of times, because things are always trying to get us, right? And that's what Paul was telling the Corinthians last week. He said it's a, it's a struggle. You have to keep working at it because those temptations to turn from the Lord and turn to something else, those things continue to come. That's why he told them at the, at the end of the, the last passage we looked at that, look, God is with you so that when you are tempted, he gives you a way of escape. You see, these struggles, these temptations to put things before the Lord are always going to be uh, coming at us. And so we continually have to go back to the Lord. We continually have to seek the Lord. But the problem with the Corinthian people is that they were trying to have it both ways, and sometimes we do too. Sometimes we try to say, well, God, I, I know I'm putting this thing before you sometimes, but look at all this other good stuff I do, dear Lord. Look at all the chains that I put in the change bucket for shoeboxes, God. I mean, it's okay. I'm not that bad of a guy, right? You can, you can let me get away with a little bit of sin, God, because I'm doing some good stuff on the side. So, so God, kind of let me straddle the fence. But we don't serve a God who calls us to straddle, straddle the fence. We serve a God who says to worship Him and serve only Him. And the Corinthian people were guilty of idolatry. So Paul says, look, listen to what I'm saying, dear friends. Judge what I'm saying, dear friends. See the idolatry that's going on and know you can't have it both ways. Because he says, if you are one with Christ, you are one with Christ. You can't bring somebody else into that relationship. It doesn't work. We get that. We get that in the most simplest form just from marriage. A man marries a woman. A woman marries a man. That's how it should be. Two people. One flesh. When you try to bring another person into that relationship, do you know what happens? The relationship is shattered. The trust is gone. You can't have that intimate relationship with your spouse anymore because that has been destroyed because instead of the two becoming one flesh, now there's three and the three can't become one flesh. That's not what the Scripture says. But that's essentially what the Corinthian people were doing here. They were one with Jesus if they were in Him, if they were in Christ Jesus, and they were celebrating that communion and partaking of the wine and the bread to remember what He did, and they were one with Him. How can they cheat on Jesus with a demon? How bad is that? And how bad is that for us? How bad is that for us when we place other things before the Lord? How bad is that for us when we say, okay, God, I want to be one with you, but I also want to be one with this sin. You can't have a relationship. That relationship is not going to hold true. Now, praise the Lord, God can restore relationships. Praise the Lord, God forgives us of sin. Praise the Lord, we can say, Father God, I see where I have messed up. God, I see where I have brought some, something or someone else into our relationship. A relationship that's between us and God. And sometimes we try to bring other things or other people into that relationship. And it messes up our personal communication, our personal relationship, our personal growth with the Lord because we're bringing in sin. And anytime we bring in sin, it's not going to cause growth to continue. It's going to stunt growth. It's going to cause growth to decline. And what Paul is saying to the people of Corinth here, he's saying, look, you better look at yourself. He's saying, you better look and see where you're going. He said, Jesus died on a cross for you so that you could be forgiven. Jesus died on the cross for you so that He could be your groom and you could be His bride. So that He could take care of you. So that He could cover all of your sins. And He could do that because He died for you and He rose from the grave for you. 
so that sin and death can be conquered. And when you made that commitment to Him, when you accepted Him as Lord and Savior, He said that was the entering into a relationship. The two became one. You and Jesus. But He's telling them, what you're doing now is you're messing that up. So you need to recognize what's going on. You need to come back to the Lord. That's what He was trying to get them to do. He was trying to say, look, if you are of the Lord, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, don't forget that you are His and He is yours. Turn from these other things. Flee from these other things. That's what he says. That's a good way to put it, though. At the very beginning of these verses. He says, flee from idolatry. He doesn't keep saying, just dabble with it a little bit. He says, run from those things. He says, these things you're doing are demonic. Why would you run to a demon? Why would you run to something that is unhealthy? Why would you run to something that is going to cause you pain and heartache and ruin your life? He's saying, turn from those things, friends, in Corinth. Turn from those things that are not of the Lord and return to Jesus Christ. Remember your relationship with Him. And for those in Corinth who may not have had a relationship with Jesus Christ, the words were just as true for them. He was pointing out what Jesus did. He was pointing out the oneness. He was pointing out their need for a Savior. He was pointing out that they weren't doing what they should do. And these are good words to us. And then he closes in verse 22 with this uh, line of thinking. He says, "Are, Are we provoking the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He Now, I believe he's probably calling out their pride there. We see at the beginning of the book of Corinthians that uh, the people of Corinth were very proud people. They thought they had it all figured out. They thought they had all knowledge and everything was going good. And Paul, earlier in the letter, had already straightened them out. He had already said, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think that you know more than God. Don't think that you've got everything figured out. And here he points out what's going on. And he says, look, are you trying to provoke God to jealousy? Because what he's saying is you don't, want, you don't want a jealous God coming after you. You don't, want to, you don't want to get God fired up. You don't want to get God angry. You don't want to be on God's bad side. You want to be on God's good side. He's saying, are you stronger than God? Do you think you know more than God? Do you think that you can just continue to do things your way without ever learning from Israel's past, without ever reading and listening to what God's Word has warned you about and what I have warned you about through God's Word? Paul's saying, are you stronger than God? Do you think you know better than what God is instructing you to do? And the answer to that question is no. We're not stronger than God. It's a rhetorical question. Surely, hopefully, I'm sure somebody probably thought they were better than God in that day and age, but hopefully most of the hearer of Paul's words would have said, whoa, I get it. I've been pretty proud in my ways thinking I could kind of do what I wanted to do and God's just going to follow what I want. I can just worship God sometimes and I can uh, go to the altar and and worship alongside of these other people sometimes. It's not just that they were simply uh, going to the altar and even eating food offered to idols. That wasn't the problem. Paul's already addressed that. But the problem is not just them being around people who were involved with idolatry, but they themselves were outright involved in idolatry. And Paul says you need to turn from those evil ways that are turning you from the Lord. And you need to return to the Lord while there is time. You need to give those things to the Lord and seek Him for forgiveness and realize His way is the best way. His way is the right way. And His way is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning. I thank you for these words. And I pray that you help us to kind of search our own heart, dear Lord, and see those things that that maybe we've put before you. Just let the Holy Spirit reveal that to us right now today that we see 
idols in our life, God. Help us not to be so so stubborn as to, as to say we know it all and, and to say, well, there's no idols in my life. Dear Lord, maybe there are, maybe they're not. You know our heart, God, so help us to know what's there that shouldn't be there. God, if you have taken a back seat to something else or someone else in our life, God, let us today come back to you. Let us call out to you, dear Lord God. Let us seek you for forgiveness, God, so that you can restore our relationship together. God, if there is one in this place today that does not have a relationship with you, maybe their whole life, all that they've ever ever seeked for, searched for, was were, were, were demons, dear Lord. And they didn't even realize it. God, maybe they've just been searching for things and stuff to, to, to be what they needed in life, God. But, but help them today to realize that, that those things and stuff isn't going to be what they need. God, that other people isn't what, isn't what they need, God, but it's, it's you that they need. So I pray, God, that you just would touch any heart here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they would just turn from their wicked ways, God, that they would come to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. I pray, God, that if there are some in this room that have been walking with you, that, God, maybe some of us are like the Corinthian people and we've just been kind of dabbling with a little idolatry, thinking we could walk the line and everything's okay, dear Lord. Help us to learn from your words today and realize, God, if we're not putting you first, if you're not the one in our life, God, that God is the enemy that we're, that we're devoting our time and our efforts to, and we don't want to do that, dear Lord. So I pray, God, that you just would help, help us to come to you today if there's something in our heart that shouldn't be there. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.